Well, good morning. Welcome to church. It's great to have you here with us again on Sunday morning. And uh, let me add to Lou's welcome. Uh, if it's your first time here, uh, a really special welcome. This morning, before uh, we get into the passage and, and the sermon, uh, I want to take a few moments just to uh, talk about Michelle Poole. She's been uh, working in our office for the last two and a half years, I think since March uh, 2018. Uh, and she has done a tremendous job over the last two and a half years. Um, and her, Mark and um, Becca and Naomi, are moving, um, which is very sad for us, uh, uh, a great addition to the Ballarat community um, and the church that they find themselves a part of. But uh, this morning, we really want to take a moment to say thank you to Michelle for the role that she's done in the office. Some of you have had the pleasure of working with Michelle, getting to know her. Uh, she's done so much work behind the scenes. She um, does the newsletter every week. She does the the podcasts and all the things that go on um, online and uh, so many different uh, avenues that you might have seen her or received emails, phone calls, texts, um, something from her. Uh, she holds us together and she's like the glue that um, we desperately need. And so we're going to really miss Michelle, all the work she's done. Um, but more importantly, we're going to miss um, who she is and, and the contribution she's made to, to the staff culture and um, the part of the part of the family that we feel we are here in the office. So this morning I've got some flowers and a little gift and Michelle's here and we're going to say thank you to Michelle. So Michelle, thank you so much for all the work that you've done over the last couple of years. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to you for the opportunity. Um, I've really enjoyed working with the pastoral team and the council and um, have enjoyed interacting with all of the church family and um, I'm sorry that we're not meeting in person so I can't say goodbye to a lot of people but I want everybody to know that you'll all go in our hearts and we're really going to miss uh, Sale Baptist but um, yeah thank you for the opportunity and um, yeah I wish everybody all the best at the moment. Mm. We're just going to take a moment as a church to pray for Michelle, Mark and, and the girls so would you join with me and pray? Lord God, we thank you so much for the gift of Mark, Michelle, Beck and Amy um, and the, the gift they've been to our church and our community um, during the time that they've been here, the last three and a half years. And God, we especially thank you for Michelle and her role uh, in the office. God, we pray that as they move over the course of the next couple of weeks, Lord, that you would um, go before them, that you would help them uh, settle into their new community. God, that you would provide them with great Christian friends, that you would provide the girls with great friends and connections at school uh, and at church as well. God, that we just pray that, uh, yeah, that your Holy Spirit would be at work before they even set foot um, in the church that you've, you've got for them. God, we give you praise for, for the blessing they've been to our community and our church during the time they've been here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. We hope to have news on... Um, someone in the office in replacing Michelle's role very soon and uh, we'll let you know as soon as, as we know that. Um, one thing I need to either celebrate or be very sad about is the result last night. Um, today, this recording, what we're doing is Thursday, so I don't know the result of the game last night and um, hopefully there's a lot of go cats um, from the game last night and um, maybe... Gary Ablett won Norm Smith. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, if Tigers won, then oh, let's just hope they didn't. Anyway, uh, 
If you're joining us this morning and you weren't part of our service last week, we started a series called Stories of Old, where we're looking at different stories, characters in the Old Testament, some well-known, some lesser known, and really discovering what God is trying to teach us, who he's showing us to be, and who he's hoping, us, hoping that we might become. And so this morning I've chosen a story in 1 Samuel chapter 24. So let me read... Uh, a portion of it, and then we'll, we'll get into it. So 1 Samuel 24 from verse 1 to 8 says this. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of Engedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfold, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in the cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do this, to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to the Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. God, again, we pray this morning that you might speak to us. God, that you might use your word. You might use your Holy Spirit to... Enable us to hear your voice and to respond as you want us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I read this story, I can't help but be reminded of games of hide-and-seek that uh, we used to play when we were kids and now I started playing with my boys, although um, the games aren't very challenging yet. The boys are four and um, two, although Harrison's turning five next week. Um, you know, when you, when you get a bit older and, the, and the, the games of hide and seek get a little bit more competitive and, and you're hiding in a really good spot and the person who's seeking comes in to the room or near the place where you're hiding and suddenly you're thinking, my heart is beating so loudly and my breath is so loud, I've got to hold myself together and, and try to freeze every part of my body and every organ so that I don't make any sound whatsoever. I imagine this is the case for for David in the cave when Saul comes in to relieve himself. Or the only difference is that Saul is, I mean, David is not alone. He's got 600 guys with him. You can imagine that they're sort of in the back of this cave in the dark, all these little eyes peering in the, in the darkness um, at Saul doing his business and David's trying to hold them back, keeping them quiet. Don't breathe, don't move, don't sneeze. Um, all these sorts of things. And... Uh, what, a, what a strange uh, moment that would have been for, for David, for his men, for Saul, just the whole situation, how strange that would have been. Uh, and I'm sure Saul wasn't expecting that. I'm, I'm sure Saul's reaction to, to David and his men when they all came filing out of that cave uh, would have been one of quite, um, quite a lot of shock, maybe a little bit of embarrassment um, when he came to realise, oh, you were in there when I was... Yeah, uh, so... Quite a, just an unusual story and an unusual place to, to find yourself. 
So a little bit about this story, you know, David's here, he's being pursued by Saul. Saul is out to get David, out to try to kill David, in fact. And so Saul's got 3,000 men, it says. David, um, we know from the previous chapter, is, is out running or uh, trying to get away, trying to hide from Saul. Uh, and he's got 600 men with him. And they're hiding in this cave. Uh, and when you know it, as they're hiding, Saul comes into the very cave that they're uh, hiding in. Now, when we think cave, we think of a, a little cave that fits maybe one person or a couple of people. This must have been a, a quite a large um, cave to fit 600 people. Uh, this auditorium that we are in at the moment would, if people were crammed in, you might be able to fit 600 if everyone was standing. Um, no social distancing, by, uh, mind you, but it would be a large space, a large cave maybe a couple of spaces where people could hide. Um, and so Saul goes in to relieve himself. Um, if it was one of my boys, uh, they definitely wouldn't go into a cave to relieve themselves. Wherever they are, if they're outside, that's private enough for them. Uh, and sometimes it's uh, if you drive down our street and our boys are playing in the front yard, you just got to avert your eyes sometimes. Uh, but Saul wanted some privacy, so he went into the cave and you can imagine maybe David and the, and the, the guys, the 600 men, uh, maybe, depending on their material level, maybe a bit of snickering, uh, maybe a bit of David saying, shh, boys, this is not the time, it's not the moment. Um, but not only snickering, the snickering, then the encouragement, the whispers getting to David, Dave, now's the chance. Here's your opportunity. Go and, go and get him. Go and kill him. He's trying to get you. Here's your chance. God is at work. He's putting Saul on a platter for you. Saul is disrobed. He is completely vulnerable. Just a side note. When someone says, this must be God, look at what is happening. We just need to be really careful. It may well be God, but just because something seems obviously God, which I'm sure in this moment, for these men, and even for David to a, to a degree, this might have seemed like an obvious God moment. An obvious God moment. But David knew that it wasn't an obvious God moment. And we'll get to why. So David, under the encouragement, under the whispers, creeps forward. And maybe his men at this point are thinking, oh, this is it. We're going to see David stick a knife in Saul's back and we're not going to have to run anymore. But David creeps forward and cuts Saul's coat, cuts his robe. Probably Saul's taken off his robe. He's probably not cutting the robe while Saul's wearing it. Uh, probably just Saul's thrown it to a side and gone and done his business, and so he cuts off a corner of the coat. And as soon as he does this, David feels that something's not right. I shouldn't have done that. This is the king, after all. This is not right. David holds his men back and ensures no one lays a finger on Saul. Saul finishes up his business, and David comes out after Saul and probably gives Saul the shock of his life. David bows down in this moment as well. And then the chapter goes on, and there's a moment of reconciliation. Although it's obvious that it doesn't last for very long, because two chapters later we see pretty much the exact same story happen. Um, Saul gets angry and, and tries to go after David again. You know, this morning um, I want to look at David and, and, and what we can learn from this story um, particularly when we, in our own life, we all have people that are against us. Maybe not to the degree where we're running into the wilderness, hiding in caves, because they're trying to kill us. But we live in a world where 
um, it's full of people that are sinful. We talked about this last week, that the, the human heart, our condition, is one of uh, sinful nature. The human heart is not good, and, and we're included in this. And, and part of the problem of, of having a world full of people that aren't, um, aren't put together like they should be, that, it, that need reconciliation, that need redeeming, is that we're going to have those who don't see the world the way that we see the world, who don't value us, who don't love us, who don't live like us, who don't agree with us, who are somehow in some way, shape or form against us. We have people in our life, ones that are close to us and maybe ones that aren't so close to us. Um, and given the opportunity, we might do a little more than cut off the corner of their coat. We might want to you know, give them something a bit more uh, memorable, if you like. We all have people that are against us. And likewise, we all have people that are above us, over us in some way, shape or form. So this is what Dave was facing. He faced Saul. Saul was both against him and over him. Saul was trying to kill him, but also his authority figure in life. We all have people who are above us in some sort of authority over us. Parents, teachers, bosses, government, leaders, in different ways, in different settings. We all have people that are trying or who are telling us what to do, what not to do. People that are both good at doing that and bad at doing that, right and wrong. Different authority figures. And as I'm talking about this, no doubt uh, a lot of you, maybe um, all of us are thinking about different people, different authority figures in our own life, some close, some not so close. And I've really been thinking and praying through this idea and, and particularly this story and wanting to share on this story in the current season we find ourselves in. Because I can't help but think this is something that God wants us all to hear. In a climate and in a, in a season where there are a whole raft of authority figures that um, maybe we don't see eye to eye to, maybe we think are against us in some way, shape or form, um, what do we learn from David in this moment? What do we learn from David? I want to just look at three things that we learn that I think we need to Take, take a hold of for our own, our own walk and our own life. The first thing is this, is that we know David was a man after God's own heart. David had encountered the grace like Noah had last week. We talked about this. And he had chosen to submit himself to God's way. You look back in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and, and you see where David is being anointed to be the next king of Israel. And there's a really well-known verse in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then um, David is then selected as the next king because he has the right heart. He is a man after God's own heart. David wasn't perfect and we know by reading different stories of David, particularly there's a story about him, Bathsheba, he was a sinful man. But there was something about his heart, something about his posture towards God that made him someone God pointed to and said, this is a good example. And I believe part of what made him a man after God's own heart was because he dealt with sin in his heart. He didn't deal with the external actions. He didn't just deal with the, what he said, but he dealt with everything at his heart. He closely examined his own heart. Psalm 51 verse 10, 
which is a psalm of David's, he says this. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Another psalm of David, Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I really think a big challenge from David's life in the Old Testament in general is this constant heart examination. We can easily fall into the trap that our, our motives are correct, that what we think and what we believe is right, and forget that without God's help, we drift away. We don't drift towards him. And we need to constantly have God examine our heart. God, help me to have a heart after yours. Help me to love what you love. Help me to, to do what you do. Help me to be who you want me to be. David had a heart after God. The second thing we see is that, that David guarded his heart. He guarded his heart. One of the things that really strikes me in this story is David's immediate reaction to cutting off the robe, like cutting the, the corner of the robe of Saul's. David did something and, and he, and that he shouldn't have done, and immediately he is, he is repentant in his, um, in his thoughts, in, in, in what he does. Let's read this again, 1 Samuel 24, verse 5 and 6. Then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to, the, to my lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. David could have very easily in that moment justified what he had just done. Even, in fact, he could have easily justified doing a whole lot worse. Because this guy, Saul, was literally trying to kill him. He wasn't a good guy. He wasn't a good leader. He wasn't doing the right thing. Why not take him out and save, the, save misery for, for so many other people? But David learned to guard his heart. He knew that that was not who God wanted him to be. He had to take note of what God was doing. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Matthew 12 verse 34, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When it comes to loving our enemies, when it comes to loving those in authority or loving those that are against us, it's not just an outward behaviour that God's after. God's not just saying to us, don't say mean things about them. It's okay if you think they're a terrible person. Or don't just do, not do mean things towards them, even though you want to. He's saying, guard your heart. Don't let hatred, don't let jealousy, don't let malice, don't let evil thoughts come into your heart because they will eventually come out in some way, shape, or form. David dealt with this sin in his heart. There was no sense that David just kept his feelings of hate towards Saul to himself. He rather had genuine love and honour for Saul, even though Saul was such a bad guy, even though Saul did not deserve it at all. We all have the opportunity to harbour hatred, unloving thoughts towards people in our life. In fact, if we're completely honest, no one deserves love all the time and honour all the time. We all make mistakes. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't deserve it either. But this is what God calls us to. This is what God does for us. A higher way of living, a higher way of being, one of love and honour towards those we like and towards those we don't, towards those we agree with and towards those who we don't agree with. We need to continue to guard our heart from becoming angry, or bitter towards other people. It's good for us. But not only is it good for us, it's good for others that we are like this. It's a good witness to those around us. 
I'm, like I'm sure it showed Saul something amazing. And, and in fact, you keep reading chapter 24, 25 and, and 26 of 1 Samuel and you see that Saul's heart begins to change because of the way that David honours Saul. God uses the way we think and our attitude towards others to, to help them change and to help other people see Jesus. It's a great witness to those around us. Romans 12 says this. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be proud. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honourable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You know, I really encourage us as a church and you who are listening this morning to live a life that honours others. To honour those who don't deserve it and those who do. To love others well. People that you know, people that you don't even know. People you agree with, people that you don't agree with. Live a life of honour. So David had a, had a heart after God's. David guarded his heart. And the third thing I want to encourage us with from this story, I mean, there's so much we could pull out. The third thing is this, that David got out of his echo chamber. And I'm not just talking about the cave. I, I really believe a key to David's ability to guarding his heart and to keeping it after God's own heart was to get out of this echo chamber. Don't listen to people more than you listen to God and his word. Be a truth seeker. Jesus is the truth and his word is true. Don't listen to social media more than you listen to God and his word. We all have our own echo chambers. We all have people and platforms that we like to hear because they reinforce what feels good to us. They agree with us. And I'm sure David had great opportunity for this. To just give in to the voices around him. Kill Saul. He's out to get you. Kill him. You'll feel so much better. No doubt they would have felt justified. They would have felt right. But he chose God and his way instead. He, he chose the truth of who God was. He did not let his heart drift away from where God wanted it to be. We all face different enemies, different people, people that we don't agree with, both inside the church, outside the church, people we know, people we don't know. And the enemy would love for us to become fixated on what we disagree about. That would be the thing that we just think about all day, that we harbour in our hearts. And I love that we are part of a church and part of a community that chooses to keep Jesus front and centre, that chooses not to let disagreements or enemies consume us. Our battle is not with each other. Our battle is not with other people. Our battle begins with prayer and is followed by love and honour towards each other. And so let's continue to pray for those that are against us in some way, for those that we disagree with. Pray for those in authority over us, especially in the current climate, to pray for those that we don't agree with. Not that they would just agree with us, but rather that we would all see what God sees that we would live in harmony with each other. 
Let's guard our hearts. Out of our hearts come our words and our actions. You know, we can only cover up our hearts' real motives for so long until they eventually come out. David was a man after God's own heart because he guarded his heart and was guided by God and his word. I want to finish this morning by reading Psalm 51 and I, and I want this to be a bit of a reflection for you as you listen to this. Maybe um, where you are you can close your eyes and you can take a moment just to, to make this your prayer, just to make this a moment uh, between you and God. Maybe you need to, to pause this and, and, and set up a, a, an environment where this can take place. If you're driving your car and listen to this on podcast, please don't close your eyes. But just take a moment to, to make this your prayer, to make this, um, to invite the Holy Spirit in to, to do a work in you. We all need to, to keep our hearts right before God. We are a better person when we do this, and we are a better community, a church community, when we do this together. So let's read and let's pray this together as we close. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Look with favour on Zion and help her. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you'll be pleased with sacrifices offered in the right spirit, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. God, that is our prayer this morning. God, that you would... Search our hearts. You would renew our spirits. God, that you would help us to, to be people of love and honour towards every person that we know. God, that you would help us to reflect Jesus well in our community. God, we so desire for, for those that don't yet know you to come into relationship with you. And God, we pray that you would use us as instruments of that change. So God, would you help us to be who you've called us to be and to live how you've called us to be, live how you've called us to live. 
God, would you do a work in us? Would you use this church, this community to glorify your name, to lift each other up? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning. And uh, if this is your first time with us, again, I just really encourage you to to let us know that you've been watching and and, um, tuning in with us. We'd really love to get to know you. Um, if you are watching this on Sunday morning, uh, we have a Zoom after party and you should be able to see a link in the, in the chat and you can click that link and we'll see you um, in there. And um, otherwise, hope you and pray that you have a great week. See you next Sunday.